In the Talmud Masech the Sota, the sages of the Talmud are concerned with the juxtaposition in the Torah reading of Parshas Noso of two seemingly very different sections that are somehow placed next to one another. These two sections are the episode of the Sota and the episode of Nazir, the laws of Nazir. What are these two sections? The Sota is a woman who has uh, been warned by her husband to not seclude herself with another man, presumably because she was acting in a manner that aroused his suspicion. And she violates that warning, and witnesses testify that she did go into seclusion, which raises the question that perhaps she was actually unfaithful to her husband and committed the act of morality. And at that point, the husband is obligated to bring her to the Beis HaMikdash, to the Holy Temple, and there is an entire process that takes place to ascertain whether she was indeed guilty, as a result of which she will suffer a very painful and degrading death penalty, or if she is innocent, uh, through which she will be cleared of any suspicion, and she'll even be blessed with children or with easier childbirth than before. And part of the process is, even if she is innocent, involves aspects that are very degrading to her, presumably, deservedly so, because she did cause herself to be suspected. And it even involves the holy name of Hashem being erased and the woman drinking water, all for the purpose of hopefully her being cleared and the husband and wife being reunited and their relationship being set on a good and proper course. Uh, following this section of the Torah is the section of the Nazir that someone who forbids himself from wine, from cutting his hair, from becoming spiritually impure through contact with any deceased person, He's a person who is striving for a very exalted spiritual experience that is not um, commonly undertaken by most people for a minimum of 30 days. And uh, it is an example of striving for unusual sanctity. And our sages are concerned, why are these two sections placed one next to the other, these two types of people seem to be quite the opposite, and it's a very strange juxtaposition. And the response to this that's given in the Talmud is this to teach us that anyone who sees the Sota woman in her degraded state, he should undertake to be a Nazir. He should forbid himself to drink wine as a part of the Nazir process. Why? Because wine brings to levity, to lack of proper judgment, to even severe lack of judgment and getting involved in situations that can least lead to immorality. And the question is, why is this person uniquely obligated to undertake the Nazir process, or at least advised by the Torah in this way? There is a well-known explanation given by many of the great teachers of Musa and ethics of the uh, early 1900s, 
and it's even brought the Sefer Mishnah Sarvaram, which is based on the Musa lectures of the great Rashiva of Lakewood and Kletzk, Ravar and Cutler, that the person who even sees the effect, the, even the shameful experience that the Sota goes through, can be affected in a negative fashion. He becomes aware that there's someone here who broke down the proper barriers of chastity, of tzniyus, proper carefulness, proper loyalty. And that could have a negative impact upon him. Similar to that which we find regard to the nation of Amalek that attacked the Jewish people after they left Mitzrayim. And uh, although they were defeated in battle and uh, severely punished, but their attack of B'nai Israel at a time where no one else in the world would have dared to caused a lessening in the entire world of the awe and reverence for the Jewish people and for Hashem's protection of them. And it's compared to someone who was a very reckless, jumped into a boiling hot bath, even though he was scalded, he cooled it down in the eyes of other people and they were no longer afraid to try the same feat. So in a similar sense, even though the person does not observe the actual misbehavior of the Sota, but just the awareness, just that level of contact could have a negative impact. This is a famous explanation that's given. However, it seems from the Medrash, and I think also from Sul Sashar, Medrash that is quoted by one of the commentaries on the Talmud, the Eitz Yosef, put in the Sefer in Yaakov, that there could be another explanation. The Nedrish describes the scene that took place. And it's, it's noteworthy that not only is the woman who herself drinks the water punished with a very painful, horrible death at that time, but even the, the man who was involved with her, who was not necessarily even present at the time, who certainly is not drinking anything and is in no way uh, being directly impacted in the process, also suffers the same death penalty, which is a, quite a miraculous, obviously, both are miraculous, but this is especially miraculous. And when the Jewish people would see such a thing, the Medrash says, they would go home and they would say to themselves, look what levity causes, look what wine causes. We hereby swear off wine in order to protect ourselves from coming to such a situation. And it seems that the Medrash also is explaining this proximity of the two parts of the Torah. It seems to be indicating that that great effort that B'nai Israel would then make to undertake, to swear off wine, to become a, a Nazir, is the result of their clarity of seeing the danger that is involved, the, the frailty of human being, how easy it is to be somehow pulled astray. And that seems to be a very different idea. And it causes us to wonder, well, why then is the Torah advising the person who we would think is most protected? The people who have seen the ill effect upon the Sota, who have seen themselves clearly what could come from wine, we would think they're the least vulnerable. They're the ones who see with such clarity. 
if, if they are the, being advised to be the ones to undertake to become a Nazir, then the entire population who hasn't been so inspired, who hasn't been given this clarity, should certainly be so advised, and we don't find that. This is something that is, for someone who is striving for especially a high level, or for people who have seen the effect upon the Sota, who know so well what could come, what could happen. And it would seem to be showing us a very important principle, that even when a person gains the fullness of clarity, he cannot rely upon that. And on the contrary, the way to react to it, the way to take that lesson, is by making protections for ourselves such that we won't need to rely upon that moment of clarity. Because the human being knows that a point of clarity can be lost, but it needs to be grabbed a hold of, it needs to be put into action. So those people who have seen with their own eyes what could come about as a result of levity and the wine that causes it, they're the ones who can be expected to undertake that difficulty of becoming a Nazir. It's not a small matter. It requires a great carefulness to fulfill all the laws. And an ordinary person maybe cannot be expected. But someone who has at least for that moment gained that clarity can be expected and can be properly advised to make for himself a very clear and firm protection that will maintain that safety that he knows now is so worthy to maintain. And we find another example of this concept, how somebody who is seemingly on a higher level has to be more careful and is really more aware of his own frailty from the law of the Torah that a person is not allowed to cause pain to another human being with words. It's a very strong uh, exhortation. It's considered even more severe than cheating somebody financially. And the Gemara gives numerous examples. One classic example is not to mention to someone who has accomplished tshuva, remember how in your past you were transgressing, because now he's not deservant of any criticism. He has corrected his ways. Someone who was uh, previously not Jewish or his family, he now has become a member of the Jewish people, shouldn't be uh, held in lower esteem, shouldn't be spoken to, be reminded of the fact that his forefathers were not following the Torah. And there are countless examples. The Sefer Achinech says we cannot list all the particular examples. And the Sefer Achinech makes a distinction. He says this only applies to in effect, starting up. But if a person is a victim of verbal abuse, he's allowed to defend himself. And that's not what the Torah is intending when the Torah forbids to uh, use harsh words against another person. Because if you're being attacked, the Torah is not expecting a person to be like a stone and not say anything in his own defense and appear as if he's uh, conceding. And he compares this even to a situation where somebody's life is threatened by a would-be thief who we judge is most likely going to be ready to kill the, the uh, owner of the household if he'll try to stop it, which is quite likely to happen. And a person is allowed to defend himself and even launch a preemptive strike to defend his life. In a similar way, to defend his dignity, he's allowed to respond to uphold his own dignity. But he adds that people who are on a specially high level, what he calls chassidim, pious people, for them 
they should now want to take advantage of this permission, shall we say, and to say anything back. Maybe they'll become angry, and maybe the anger will cause them to go overboard and answer back in an unduly harsh manner more than what they need to protect themselves. So we, here too we can wonder, who needs to be so concerned that maybe they'll go overboard and answer back in a harsh manner? The most pious, most refined people, or the ordinary people? We think the ones that are most ordinary are most in danger. But nevertheless, they cannot be expected to um, engage in this added protection. But someone's on a higher level who appreciates the, the value of not besmirching his character in the slightest way, he can be expected, and he is expected to be so cautious out of the fear that maybe he'll go overboard. He shouldn't say to himself, I am so pious and I'm protected, I can rely that I will only answer back in the proper measure. He's the one who the Torah cautions, don't rely upon your good intentions. It's better to stay free and clear of the entire situation and not answer anything back. So I hope that we could take this lesson and apply it to our life situations in the best way with Hashem's help. Thank you very much.